It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to Buckeye Breakdown, where Buckeyes now on Sports Illustrated continues to cover the Ohio State Buckeyes as they continue to prepare during 2021 fall training camp. Alongside Brett Hiltbrand, I'm Brendan Gulick. We are talking about uh, a number of different topics today that have really come up within uh, Ohio State football chatter, but most notably, we had a chance today to talk to the offensive lineman and offensive line coach, Greg Stadrawa, and boy, there are some things going on with the offensive line that I don't think we were totally expecting, so uh, we will certainly dive into that. We we have a little bit of quarterback news to share uh, and maybe a couple of other things to, to touch on as well. So, uh, Brett, why don't we start with the offensive line where, boy, coming into the season, I mean, it certainly felt like with three returning starters and two of them being arguably the top two returning tackles in college football that you could probably just take a Sharpie and scribble those in and okay, no problem. Harry Miller probably going to be the center, maybe the left guard, and then we'll sort of see where things fit with Paris Johnson pretty likely being the right guard and you know, is it Matthew Jones? Is it Josh Fryer? Some different angles that could potentially be at left guard. But now an entirely different look today at camp from left to right across the line. Nick Petit Frere at left tackle. Thayer Munford moves into left guard. Harry Miller at center. Paris Johnson at right guard. And big man, Dewan Jones. I guess they're all big, but uh, <laughs> 370 is especially big. Um, boy, this. Uh, this is a little bit unexpected, and yet I got to be honest, I kind of like it. For sure, you know you're you know you're big uh, across your your front five when the smallest guy you have is six four and like three fifteen. We <laughs> go six five six 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 four six 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 eight left to right. Uh, that's probably a good thing. That's like that's like Wisconsin O line territory there as far as like size, like. Uh, that they're just absolutely massive. I think kind of the shuffling is is a fascinating bit of of uh, kind of football decisions, right? And kind of uh, knowing that you have um, you know not just not just a lot of talent within the starters, but there's a lot of uh, guys uh, behind them who can come in and fill in. I think I I don't think stud. And Ryan Day and company do some of the reshuffling if they didn't feel confident in their depth. And I think that's something that um, I, I think we'll see a little bit of as the season kind of gets going and some games get going. Um, but, it, I mean, the O-line stuff is fascinating. I, I think uh, moving, uh, you know, Petit Fer Ferrer to left tackle and then Thayer Munford sliding in at left guard. I mean, I could you could totally see them running behind that left side all all season long, uh, for sure. And then um, I'm fascinated too. You know, when we were talking before we we kind of kicked off the show that 
how big they were. And the first thing that kind of popped into my head, and I know Stud joked about this uh, um, during the media availability today, uh, the first thing I thought of was like, well, good luck seeing over those dudes. And, and that might be their biggest problem at quarterback when it comes to, you know, that, that QB O-line relationship. But they're huge. Uh, there's a ton of experience there. I mean, Petit Ferrer's got to be what fourth year junior. I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know, Thayer Munford's, gosh, feels like he's been around since the mid 2000s, and maybe that's just because we covered him when he was in high school. Uh, and uh, you know, and then Harry Miller's a junior. Uh, Paris Johnson Jr.'s a sophomore, and and Dewan Jones is a junior. So there's there's uh, some very real world you know, combat snaps, so to speak, for all those guys. And uh, they're big, experienced, and 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 it looks like um, uh, very unselfish. And I think from, uh, from uh, a coaching standpoint, and certainly if you're an Ohio State fan, you probably are if you're watching this, that's maybe all you could ask for from an O-line perspective. I mean, it's just there's so much to unpack here. Why don't we start with right. DeJuan Jones? Because, you know, he's kind of, to me, he's the obvious starting point. Um, he is a behemoth of a young man uh, who Greg Stadrawa today said he's the one that's kind of forced this decision. Thayer Munford went to Stud and said, hey, Dewan looks pretty good. I'm willing to move to left guard if it means getting him in as, as we as a group try to find our best five. First of all, ridiculously unselfish from a guy who is easily one of, if not the best offensive tackle in the country in Thayer Munford. Um, it it speaks to Jones's work ethic. Coach Studd said today several times it's because he's kind of figuring out how to be a football player and, and his athletic ability is growing because he played so much basketball when he was younger. Yeah. You know, now, now it's like he's turning the corner from, from almost – the 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 football perspective of this and not just being a big guy that can occupy space um you know if, if you're 370 it's kind of hard to play guard um i guess it's possible but that seems a little outrageous um but he's, he's there has to be a running lane <laughs> and, and if you take up like one in one half running lane if you take up a gap that's a that's an issue you know sure, <laughs> so, sure. yeah yeah for sure i mean he's he's got to have you know, for him to play tackle, he's got to be able to have some, you know, speed to his game where he won't get beat by a speed rusher on the outside. So, you know, if the Buckeyes are considering him playing there, you'd like to think, well, that certainly has occurred to them. Um, by all accounts, Paris Johnson is like, you know, the second coming of Orlando Pace and Josh Myers even, even pretty much said as much last year before we really even had a chance to see Paris, you know, on the field consistently. So the, the, the Paris at right guard angle to this seems natural. Um, but to me, it's, it's the fact that Dewan Jones has apparently gotten that much better that one of the best tackles in the country is, is quote unquote unseating himself and willing to move to a different position to become more versatile, uh, more versatile and more flexible from his perspective, but also to get the right line out there, I I, I just think this could be a really good thing if it works out for the Buckeyes. I, I yeah, I agree, and I and I do think of of all the positions that you see, um, you know, guys going 
going from college to high school. I, I do think, you know, as as kind of the high school game gets a little bit more technical and, and, and the ability to study film on your own is easier. And, and we have some specialized coaching uh, and that becomes more available. I do think the, the, the biggest learning curve uh, that you see guys is probably O-line. And, and a lot of it is kind of the subjectivity of technique. There's, you know, there's a handful of uh, of, of widely accepted fundamentals, but what you do offensively a lot of times dictates what, what you are taught in many ways uh, as an O-lineman. I, you know, for me, Dewan is like watching his like basketball highlight videos was one of the more impressive things I think I've seen from a football recruit in a good long time. Just the, the, like I, I'm, you know, the athletic, you know, and our friends over there making, making the list of like the freaks um, in, in all of college sports, like he has to be on there for sure. Right. So I think, yeah. Um, I, I, I really love that aspect of him, but I think, I think from the developmental standpoint where, where these guys are learning on such a, such a steep curve because uh, of the competition that exists at, at a tier one program like Ohio state that in, in many ways, when you unseat kind of this like timetable that these coaches have kind of projected for you. Like when you walk in day one, you're like, Oh, like, you know, we think this guy can play after X many months of, of kind of being in under the OSU coaching umbrella. When you kind of wreck that, especially as an O lineman, that's really rare in in my opinion. And so I think that's what makes his, his kind of almost crashing the party in some ways, uh, probably the the most dynamic thing uh, and the most interesting thing about everything that we saw uh and are seeing so far with uh you know the first look at this at this team and it's o-line um and, and i do think if you are going to play tackle right tackle is probably best because at some point you will eventually move over to left tackle the older you get that's usually how it works um and and I do think also like that arm length that you know that you see as such a requirement now for tackles um, to be able to force guys out wide when they try and beat you with speed. I think uh, he has that in spades uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, he, watching watching that first like you know going up against someone in a different color jersey, I think will be fascinating. Uh, and then you've got you know you've got experience uh, to his left, which is important knowing that you can always have help there. And then uh, at center, maybe one of the smarter guys we've ever seen come through the Ohio State football program uh, in Harry. And, and a lot of yeah, – He's the best. We can, we, can, we can go into Stoicism and, and Sisyphus and, and all types of, uh, you know, uh, Greek uh, and Roman philosophy in, in later in the show if you want to. We can go there. Uh but the, the fact that like you will sometimes see center help snap the ball and then come weak or strong side, that, that is also something that I think he can do uh, that maybe some guys at Ohio state, we haven't maybe seen in a lot of ways since Billy price back uh, several years ago. So I think that's something that adds a little bit uh, to this Dewan Jones thing, but I think it's just sheer hard work. And the fact that he's, he's kind of broken the timetable or maybe the projections that the coaches have had for him. Well, he made a comment today to the media that he was basically sick of um, waiting around. He felt like it's his time. He Why felt not? like he needed to put the work in, and 
you know, look, you can't coach size. Um, so if, if that's, if that's your frame and if he can play fast enough, you'd like to think he can play physical enough. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, that's a coach's dream. Um, so I'm not, I'm not surprised at all to see that he's, he's made a, uh, a nice stride forward. Um, and playing, uh, playing next to Paris Johnson, you know, could be, could be huge for Paris. I, I, I like everything you've heard from coaches and Paris's teammates. It, it's, it's almost like everyone is afraid to take that step and say that he really is that good because he hasn't had a chance to really show it yet. But his talent is not a secret within the room. You know, look, a lot of guys are really good high school football players, like legit elite high school players that never, you know, uh, blossom at the next level. And so you you kind of want to get away from the, the crazy prognostications. But everybody is kind of looking around and saying, this guy's the real deal. Um, and, and for him to slide in at right guard – and be a first-year starter next to someone like Dewan Jones, I think that that to me discusses the the or 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 highlights the confidence that uh, that the staff must have in Dewan because I think it would be easier to put Paris as a first-year starter next to a veteran offensive tackle. So I know maybe that was a roundabout way of getting there. I agree. It, it really, to me, it just underscores if this is something that they're looking at at this point in camp, you're not doing things a week into camp and, and you know, inside of four weeks to the regular season. You're not experimenting with that stuff unless you think, hey, this could be viable. Like, we're not just putting guys in different positions to see what it might look like. There, There is intent behind these, you know, these decisions in practice and um, I never really considered this group of five offensive linemen together in this rotation, but I could certainly see why the Buckeyes would really love it. I agree. And I, I think you could, and I, I'm going to wildly speculate here for a second, oh boy. but I, I yeah, so speculation for, for uh, proverbial seatbelt on uh, please. Um, I think in, in many ways, if you're looking at this on like the macro level, big picture, um, I think it might speak to a little bit of what you're going to see uh, required from the quarterback and protections and assigning protections in that if they feel like they can keep it as simple as humanly possible, they're going to then put guys out there that they know they can rely on for maybe one, one to one and a half ish responsibilities, maybe even, you know, two at the very most. And so when I, you know, when you were, when you were talking about that just a second ago, that kind of triggered that thought in my mind that maybe what, you know, what we're seeing at the output um, as far as personnel is concerned at the O-line grouping right now is in a lot of ways also indicative of what they're requiring from the quarterback, whoever might win that job. Uh, and that might be a bit of a discussion point later uh, in the show as well. Um, 
So I, I'm I'm so curious I, to see if 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 that's kind of how that shapes out a little bit protection wise, uh, in that they're just going to try and keep it really really simple, um, and knowing that they have a lot of experience on the left side, um, and that there's uh, you know more they can maybe pay essentially eliminate half the field so to speak, uh, and and certainly half the gaps. Um, and, and then and then keep everything on that right side super simple but the the fact that like you know i i think coaches always will undersell in a lot of ways uh when it comes to uh kind of talking up individual players and and i think the the best indication of you know the 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 ceiling and the uh, that that he has that Paris Johnson has is the fact that everybody across the board is kind of unwilling to be like, oh, this dude's like approaching like Orlando Pace territory, uh, because that's such a huge statement if you think about that. Both within the the realm of college football, uh, I would even go as far as to say like football in general, uh, given what Orlando Pace did at the next level uh, as well. So I, I think you, you you try and manage that as best you can as coaches. But I mean, the fact that they're just putting in there in the first place, in my mind, speaks to not only his considerable ceiling and and, and the, the levels at which the levels of which he can reach, but also how high the floor is for him. And I think that speaks a lot to, to his ability. level. Well, everybody, uh, everybody's pretty high in Paris. That's for sure. And uh you know what we'll see if this is the line they actually start the season with on September second. Um, I think there's still, you know, room to say okay, maybe not quite the perfect mix. Um, Josh Fryer and Matthew Jones have had good camps, from what we've been told. Uh, Coach Stud today raved about Luke Whipler's work ethic, uh, including literally two days after the national championship game, he was working out by himself uh, in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center and sending videos to Coach Stud saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to try to go out and win the starting center job next year, um, even if the thought was that Harry Miller would become the guy. Um, Coach Stud did today acknowledge that Harry right now is, is you know, the, the leader in the clubhouse, I guess, for, uh, for lack of a better way to say it. He's likely to be the starting center, but – um, Coach Stud loves what he's got in Luke Whipler. Um, and, and, you know, obviously we really haven't even talked about Donovan Jackson, right. who is, you know, a, a home run slam dunk type guy where the Buckeyes maybe a few times in recent years haven't been able to get the super highly recruited offensive linemen across the country. Donovan Jackson kind of breaks that mold. And, um, you know, I I just don't know how he gets on the field super consistently this year unless there's an injury, which you certainly hope doesn't happen. Um, I mean, think about the comparison, right? If, if everybody feels the way they do about Paris Johnson and he didn't play much last year, even for as good as Donovan Jackson is supposed to be, how, how, how does he get in the rotation quickly? So, you know, again, we, we heard from all these guys today and, and um, impressed by a lot of them. I, I think my overwhelming uh, feeling about the offensive line as a group the last two years 
they're extremely mature and well-spoken and, and, you know, the, the Harry Miller, um, super high level intellect, while it is uncommon, especially for a position as violent as something on, you know, uh, on the line in football, um, Nick Petit Frere and Paris Johnson and Thayer Munford and Dewan Jones are really well-spoken, thoughtful, giant teddy bears. And, and you know, they're they're darn good football players. But I, I guess the, the point of pride here for Buckeye fans is knowing that, you know, if you're rooting for these guys, you got five guys that, like, you can feel pretty good about who you're rooting for. Um Harry Miller, we, we referenced him earlier. I mean, look, the guy is just – he's operating at a different level than most football players do, let alone uh, let alone offensive linemen, you know. A wide array of interests. Oh, so man, speak, it's crazy. You know, Not just football. Poetry left and right and, and talking about super, super philosophical stuff. His favorite book is Moby Dick um, and Three Musketeers and, you know, some like – old literature that most of us through high school lit classes were kind of, you know, head bobbing, trying to stay awake through. Uh, and he's like memorizing lines and it's, you know, it's his, his MO. Um, so anyway, way, shout out, shout out to the, the <laughs> fact that for the first time, maybe in Ohio state football history, we we're, we're getting to talk about Alexander Dumas and, and, uh, <laughs> Ohio state football all in the same conversation. So, uh, being able to reference three musketeers and, and Buckeyes football, uh, thanks in only literally in in sole sole uh, possession or ownership of this is to Harry Miller, yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, the voraciousness of his intellect, I think, it actually speaks to, in large part, the the development the the the, the steep curve of development that is a baseline expectation at Ohio state. And I think he speaks to it better than maybe some guys we've had in the past, just simply because I, I think, you know, he is able to, you know, espouse and personify that differently and more specifically than maybe some dudes we've had. Um, but like, <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think uh, in many ways, the other thing, the other thing that I think, it's kind of the nail on the head of what you were speaking of just a few minutes ago, which the guys you are rooting for and wanting these dudes to succeed. The fact that you have on, on, and, and, and I think it's safe to project that this is the starting five. Okay. I think that's safe to say, at least as we know, given all the information that we have at the moment, we'll say that this is the first group, maybe not starting five in this first group. You've got five pretty dynamically different personalities there and the fact that there is a level of cohesiveness that the coaches trust despite those five different personalities it bodes well for uh this football team going forward this season well and, and nick talked about that specifically you know just the rotation today of who was speaking where and at what podium um nick petit frere came in right after harry miller left and so harry's done at the end of it. And, and, you know, everybody in the media is kind of looking at each other left and right. And, you know, we're kind of laughing because it's, it's, it's a little bit insane that, that we just talked to a, a football player who, you know, is this larger than life figure that has an incredibly thoughtful, soft spirit. Um, it's just abnormal. It's refreshing, but it's abnormal. 
Uh, and I think even Harry realizes that, but he, he embraces it. Um, so as soon as Nick comes in, I, I asked him right away, you know, hey, first of all, you're going to quote Moby Dick for us. <laughs> he kind of laughed. Uh, and I said, seriously, though, what's it like to have a guy like Harry in your position group, in your locker room where, you know, it's just not prototypical? And, and Nick was pretty quick to say, you know, we've got a lot of different personalities in our room and we've all just tried to embrace each other and, and learn from each other. And boy, isn't that kind of a, a nice message in a world we live in where, you know, it feels like you're trying to be shoved into a mold uh, and, and everybody is, you know, maybe somewhat hesitant to embrace something that feels different. Uh, this is a room with a lot of personality, but a lot of differences. And yet the cohesion certainly is there. Yeah. And I think that is unique to all of football in that it, O-line especially is maybe the only position group that you have where that's actually like a good thing for the most part. I think you want your wide receivers to be of a similar personality or a single mindset. Quarterbacks, 100%. Uh, linebackers, sure. Secondary, sure. But if your O-line is a little bit varied, I think that's a good thing. Um, I I, I kind of wonder too, like like who's kind of the, the, like the leader of that group? Um, and who like it's like kind of there, isn't it? I, I would agree. And I, I think it and I think in large part it is due to his his one maturity level, which is is amazing. Uh and and in a in a in a pretty dynamic development in and of itself over the last five, six years. Uh, but two, I think it's it's the unselfishness uh that you've seen over the last couple seasons with guys uh you know that have graduated and moved on as well. So um, I, 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 I really like that as far as both developing talent, but also then proven results on the field. I think it, it, it checks both of those boxes. We also talk about, we talk a lot about rave about it. In some ways we have so many superlatives that we kind of run out of them uh, for Larry Johnson and his development of the defensive lineman. I don't know if we talk about coach stud enough as far as, doing that for as long as uh, as Coach Johnson has at times. So um, I think it's a testament to him and the fact that you have all these personalities and you're still able to make it work. That's It's because they're offensive linemen, man. We've been talking yeah. about the offensive line for 25 minutes. I don't think, yeah. I don't think you know, people spend more than a few minutes at a time, but you're exactly right. You know, Stud has been a, a staple as to why this Ohio State you know, run has continued now for a while, and why? And, you're not, and he's doing that without pulling in five-star dudes every sure. single year. That and and that like that. I mean, is there a better bit of like uh, evidence as to your job, uh, the proficiency at which you do your job when you got, have guys that maybe aren't that highly rated, and you come in and you start churning out first rounders? Yeah, that's a good uh, thing. I'm totally <laughs> with you. It's. uh it, it's cool that it's a group that might get overlooked a little bit uh, outside of, you know, the 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 super diehard fan. Um, but man, they, you know, football is a game that's won in the trenches, and if you don't have a good foundation at the line of scrimmage, you got nothing. Um, and you know, I I don't know the exact number, but over the last several years, you can probably count far more games than not where Ohio State's offense has averaged six, seven, eight yards per play throughout the entirety of a game. 
you know, they're not losing games over these this this stretch of now 20 years of incredibly good football. They're not losing games because the offense can't figure out a way to move the ball. And it starts with having an offensive line that can block for really good running backs. You, know, you think about some of the greatest running backs in the history of Ohio State, unless they were way, way back when the game was played a different way. So many of those guys have played within the last 20 years. Well, running backs tend to put up really good numbers when they're running behind guys that can block for them. Yep. Um, you know, you 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 frequently have to go back and point to the offensive line uh, as as a, a big reason for success. I don't think too many people want to sit here and listen to a half hour podcast on uh, the offensive line. So why don't we talk about quarterbacks? <laughs> I think that's probably uh, probably fair. Um, I guess we can call it news. You know feel like we're grasping at straws a little bit because of this like top secret nature around, you know, the quarterback competition and the extremely brief uh, window that media members are allowed to watch uh, a couple of practices throughout the course of the fall. Um, and, you know, all of the coaches and all of the players all say the right things about the quarterback competition. So our ability to truly glean who is ahead and who's not it's not fair to base it just on practice from a 15 minute window that we see, but when it's all we have, we have to talk about it at least in some regard. Right. So um, it appears that Kyle McCord has jumped ahead of Jack Miller because uh, in, in line in terms of the reps that these guys are taking CJ Stroud is still taking, you know, reps first, then it's Kyle, then it's Jack and then the rest. Um it was previously CJ, Jack, then Kyle. Do we read into that? I don't know if if it's of you know great uh, attention, but I think it's something. I, I don't think it's nothing. Um, and I will tell you this: after being at practice this morning, you know, got a chance to at least watch uh, a few quarterback drills, and I I just love Kyle's arm. Um, you know, standing at midfield watching these guys throw 50 to 60 yard passes toward the back corner of the end zone to hit receivers, um, especially throwing it into the wind. Kyle just had a little more punch on his ball. Uh, and CJ certainly has a good arm. I think Kyle's got a little tighter spiral. Um, you know, it's not to say that any of these guys are perfect and don't miss a throw every once in a while, but I, I think that can't be the only deciding factor in this race, but I I really like Kyle McCord's arm. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, you know, it's a phrase that we've that has kind of become, you know, zeitgeist a little bit over the last like, you know, 10, 15 years with the, you know, the kind of the uptick and in increased interest in both recruiting, but also the NFL draft. The phrase is arm talent. Sure. And uh I think when guys uh put that on display. Um, in which there is a very obvious uh, kind of zippiness to it. Um, you know, I, I, it's 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 esoteric in a lot of ways that like you kind of know it when you see it. Um, and I think across the board of of everything that we saw with the quarterbacks, that was like kind of the one thing that I I felt like I gleaned from. Uh, you know, going across the entire landscape of Ohio State football media was that everyone kind of thought that. Um, and and I think you have some really cultured eyes, some really, uh, 
you know, experienced guys uh, and, and women looking at that. So um, I think this is also what happens when you only get to see 15 minutes of practice and you have uh, no actual tangible kind of peek into what that quarterback uh, battle looks like outside of that. And, and so, um, you know, I, I wonder a little bit as to, you know, if that's a true indication of like depth chart. Um, but I, 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 I also think that, you know, I think one thing maybe above all else, when it comes to camps, especially coaches love routines and you don't mix up, you know, kind of the rep order and practice. You don't mix up a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the kind of, uh, times and all of that for, for, uh, you know, scheduled events and stuff. Cause you want these guys kind of drilled down into a almost military like precision. And so, I don't think it's outrageous to to watch uh, one guy go from three to two, uh, and and think, yeah, you know what, you're you're moving up in the depth chart. And then on top of that, you see that arm talent on display uh, is is maybe evidence as to why he's kind of moved up uh, on the rep totem pole. Here are the other components of this. You know, we don't have. Um the ability to get inside the locker room and see how these guys are interacting with each other behind closed doors. We don't know what, what it's like in the weight room or in the training room or when they live together or when they're social with each other. And so much of this becomes, you know, that, that trust you build with one another, um, the chemistry you build. I mean, you don't have to like each other, but you got to be able to trust each other. There's a huge difference there. I think anybody who's ever been a part of a team has probably had teammates before that they weren't necessarily friends with, but that's life. And you got to figure out how to work with people. Yeah. It's the same thing when you're playing on a football team, you may not like everybody you're with, but you got to figure out how to make sure that, you know, you're getting the best out of each other and pulling the rope in the same direction. That's the whole point. Um, so there's that component of it. And then beyond that, you know, you're not in this room, in the in the quarterback room at Ohio State, unless you have the talent to be the guy. There's no way you're there as a scholarship athlete unless you are capable of being the guy. So picking a starting quarterback is so much, to me, it is so much more about who has the trust, who won't crack when you know the the game gets really fast who who still plays it as though it's slow who can Ryan Day and his staff walk into a game in a stadium with 100,000 people in it maybe on the road where you know you're going to get everybody's best shot and you're going to get exotic blitzes flying left and right and and who's not going to turn the ball over um that's the kind of stuff that I think can be challenging to simulate in practice, but that's literally what Ryan Day and his staff have to do right now, because whether it's CJ or Kyle or Jack or, or any of the other guys on the roster, there's a pretty good chance the Buckeyes are going to win a bunch of games with whomever their quarterback is. The difference between being good and being a national championship contender is having a quarterback that can play at an elite level. Does CJ have it? 
Does Kyle have it? Does Jack have it? That's what they need to figure out. And so I'm looking at this saying, if CJ's still the number one guy right now, and Kyle has made a jump from three to two, that that perhaps that is some level of reading into what the coaches are feeling about those personalities. But by the same token, Brett, I don't think they need to rush to name a starting quarterback. And maybe it's better for whoever that starter is in the long term if they don't name somebody sooner than later because it keeps those guys grinding. I mean, this is such a complicated process. I I agree with all of that. And I also think that in in a lot of ways it it what you just described, I think, is almost coaching philosophy, right? In that how do you essentially identifying the process and the steps that you take to develop guys uh, to the level at which you then feel comfortable playing them, right? And I think it differs. It's as subjective in a lot of ways uh, as as anything else in football. And I and I do wonder if like how much competition is good competition. One, um, is it is it in it, it? But two, it's it, it requires an emotional intelligence from a from the coaches to understand that if you have, you know, whoever these, these quarterbacks might be. So like, it, it doesn't necessarily even have to be specifically the Ohio state guys, but whatever the, the personalities that you have in that quarterback room, um, if you have really confident guys, if you have guys that are a little bit insecure, all of that, if you're able to then get an accurate assessment of that and then tailor what you do to them from a, a practice standpoint, film standpoint, essentially giving them all of the information or not all of it, uh, and then seeing what they do with that and then picking a guy from there. I think that is, that's entirely just a, a 100% subjective field game from the, from coaches. And it, and to me, if you're looking at based on the evidence on the field over the last five years, I don't think anybody's done that in the country better than Ryan day in that you've seen now, a couple different guys go into that room. We had, and I'm I'm talking specifically about three dudes. That's Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, and Joe Burrow. You've seen three guys with three very different personalities go out and perform across the board over the course of like six, seven years. That I think speaks to the the process and how you know similar or different that process might be depending on the guys you actually have in the room. And when it comes to this group, I, I kind of wonder a little bit about the, the competition because in many ways they've been competing since they've been in the building for that, like two, three, four spots. And, and I think it, at some point it, you some guys might get tired of that. They obviously feel comfortable in that they that they will not tire of that, and and I think that is a, a good thing. And and so the 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 depth chart to me, and and you know maybe the the switching of you know the guys at two and three, uh, 
speaks to the fluidity of the situation. And I, and I, and I do think that the idea of keeping these guys grinding, as long as that you, they know that you are comfortable with them in that position, that's elite level football. That's elite, uh, expecting elite performance from your players as a coach. And so, and and to to then look at the evidence on the field that we've seen over the last couple of seasons, you can't say that anything's been wrong. It's been a problem. You know, the evidence is playing out perfectly in a lot of ways. The only other coach that I think you could maybe make a comparison to just with the way he's handled quarterbacks is Lincoln Riley. Obviously, Oklahoma's had a, a hell of a run here with with a few quarterbacks. Um, but I, I I agree. I mean, you know. The, different the defense, different defensive philosophy in that conference, which I think yeah. helps. But I agree. Well, and and his three yeah. quarterbacks are probably a little more similar to each other than yeah. what we've seen. I mean, Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields have extremely different skill sets. Um, not that Dwayne can't run, but he's he's a you know pro pocket passer. For sure. um, so, anyways, I, I just. I, I guess the way I would summarize where I feel right now about the quarterback spot is that whomever wins that job, maybe Ryan Day knows in his gut who he wants and he just isn't willing to make that commitment yet because he wants to keep keep pressuring whomever that is. Um, or maybe he truly doesn't know yet. Whatever the case is, whoever the guy is that wins this job probably shouldn't feel like once they want it that it's theirs. Um, I almost feel like the winner has to work that much harder to keep it. And, and whomever isn't named the starting quarterback week one sure as heck can't be far off from being named the starting quarterback week one. Um, And the Buckeyes need to find a way to win games. It's as simple as that. If you win, you're giving yourself a chance to win repeatedly. You got a chance to play pretty regularly. Wait here. Let me ask you, let me, let me frame the question. that I I think is maybe most interesting when it comes to this conversation. When do you decide on a starter? I think I I essentially like, when do you have an internal deadline? In a lot of ways, I kind of think it's like the two week mark out from your first game, two and a half weeks, maybe. So in theory, Today being uh, Tuesday the tenth, when we're when we're taping and recording this, I could make the argument by the end of this week, into the front part of next week, Ryan Day will probably have settled on a guy. I would think. Yeah, um, I mean, he, and that's kind of but that's it's much. been different. It's been different by regime, so yeah, to speak. No, I mean he 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 alluded to that. I mean, even at Big Ten Media Day, that he'd like to know within the first couple of weeks of camp the direction he's going to go. And then as he was asked um, yesterday, as we shoot this on Monday the 9th, when he visited with the media, uh, when he was asked sort of the process and how it's going, you know, he's not going to name a starter or tell you who's leading the race until he's ready to tell you that. But, you know, he, yeah. he pulled back the curtain a little bit in terms of the process, which I thought was cool. Um, he, he did allude to the fact that, you know, maybe even at the end of next week, um, that, you know, maybe a little bit longer than he originally thought. And that, that kind of goes back to my original feeling of what's the rush. You know, if, if yeah. it really is that close of a race, 
you know, somewhere along the way, you got to make a decision, right? And it would help your team to know, hey, we got a couple weeks at the the back half of camp or roughly half of of what we're going into battle with week one. I think that's good for team mentality. You don't want to be starting game prep week when nobody really knows who your starting quarterback is. That's not healthy. But, um, you know, if it takes an extra couple days, so what? Just, yeah, you know, there, there's <laughs> – Maybe it goes without saying, man. He's the head coach at Ohio State. He's he's widely considered the best quarterbacks coach in the country right now. There's a lot of pressure to get this right. Yeah. You know, the first two years that he's led this program have been outstanding. I mean, you can use whatever superlative you want. The Buckeyes felt like they should have beaten Clemson in 2019 and 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 you know, got hosed. And that was a single motivating factor all offseason last year. And then they made it to the national championship game under the most difficult circumstances imaginable in our sport and, and didn't play well because they were pretty shorthanded. Um, this is this is a huge decision because you don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Where two years ago, when it was you know apparent that Justin was coming to Ohio State, he was pretty much the guy. So there's, there's a lot riding on this. You got to get it right. These two things I know are true to, to go back to the Max Kellerman around the horn days. Uh, Ohio State one got totally hosed against Clemson. Um, I think we, I think if you're watching this program, you're okay. nodding, nodding vehemently and uh, vehemently and uh, uh, and then you know, trying not to remember that game. Uh, and then two, I think above all else, you feel extremely comfortable with Ryan Day's ability to develop quarterbacks. And you're exceptionally comfortable with his ability to recruit the quarterbacks because right now, above all else, what we're talking about essentially boils down to the fact that Ohio State has a ton of depth at the most important position in all of football. And that's huge. There's I mean, there's no other school in the country right now. And and like that's not hyperbole. There's no other school in the country that is going through this process that has the options that the Buckeyes have. For sure. There's a lot of reasons to think that they can't make the wrong decision. Um, But that's, to me, that's different than saying we made the right decision. And whatever decision you make, you have to make with conviction. And I think one of the things I most admire about Ryan Day, to circle back to the point I made earlier, he's really good about being super intense when he needs to be, but really calm when the waters are choppy and the game is going fast, he has a way of, of of bringing down the temperature in a crazy environment. And that is critical for a young quarterback to succeed on a huge stage. So, yeah, I, I trust him to make the right decision. Um, whether it's CJ or Kyle or Jack yet, we don't know. Um, I, I don't know if I'm ready to vote one way or the other. I, I like things about all three of them, but – the thing I like most about any of the three of them is Kyle's arm. I really, really like um, his arm talent. And by the way, Quinn Ewers isn't even on campus yet. So that'll add a whole nother layer to this because Quinn's not going to be the starter on September 2nd. If it is, uh, I will uh, I will gladly say that I messed that one up. But I just He's got know. a lot of name and likeness deals to sign between <laughs> now and when he gets on campus. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. It ain't going to happen. You do you, homie. But maybe he could get into a game somewhere along the way this year. And and it's got to be Quinn's perspective that 
He's coming to Columbus this year to essentially try to develop that camaraderie and, and, you know, build that chemistry with teammates and whatever reps he gets in hopes that he can win the job next year. So, yeah, it's you, you just stumbled into an unintended years. unintended tangent uh, about college football at large and a trend that I actually think we're going to see an exceptionally uh, a trend that I, I think we're going to see a whole lot more exceptionally so over the next couple of years, which is guys who are tier one. Five star, you know, locks to be draft picks, so to speak, uh, essentially skipping uh, a final year of high school. So that they could go and make money a, a little bit easier. It's gonna, it's name and likeness. The fact that, like, if if you're 18, you don't necessarily need to prove anything more as far as uh, football tape is concerned, recruiting wise. Everybody's trying to get you to, you know, to sign on and do whatever, and you can, if you can go sign for a fifty thousand dollar whatever, you're gonna go to high school. No, I, no way. That, that People are gonna graduate it, early. It's gonna yeah. happen a ton. It's gonna happen. That, a ton. that part of it, in principle, I totally agree with. Um, but I wonder how many guys are going to be able to graduate high school early. I, I, I think you're going to see guys try and do, go into like curriculum tracks to be able to be in position to do that. Okay. Now, I don't know if I agree with that philosophically. Sure. I, 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 I think on a, on a, a hashtag life uh, kind of standpoint, maybe, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that. But uh, I also think everyone's different and it's subjective. Um, but I, I, it's going to be a trend that he, he's the first one that we're, that we're going to see. And I think it's going to be something that we see several times a year for the next little while. I, I absolutely agree. He is the first and that there will be others that follow. I'm very curious to see if this becomes something that is you know, as common as early enrolling has become over these last seven to 10 years now. Um, I, I think there are a lot of schools, especially some of the private schools across the country that produce a lot of this top end talent. Um, I wonder how many of those schools are going to have, you know, educational tracks in place where kids could theoretically skip an entire year um i think some of that would have to be developed and i i just wonder how fast that could move but i totally agree with you if someone offered me the kind of money that quinn yours is being offered um and the choice is go make that and get an equity stake in a company that you you know and believe in or go play high school football for one more year i i mean that's kind of a no-brainer isn't it so i i don't blame him for that at all there in the last maybe couple of years, there's a handful of guys that I think would have probably done that. Um, and and hindsight being what it is now, the the guy at the top of my list that probably would have done that, and I think this is this is totally a hindsight place, Tate Martell. And as we've seen through the progression of his college football career, which I think he's on his third school now, moving to UNLV. Not not great. I think I think there's some development there, and so it's it's entirely subjective. Um, I, I I think we we wander into, you know, unintentionally, but you know we wander into kind of the accidental unintent, un, unintentional consequences of name and likeness, both good and bad. 
and and we're all along for the crazy ride that 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 will you know entail this is just one of them well it's going to be really interesting to follow because that's obviously uh you know a hot storyline now all across the country and now that it's happened uh you know the the question marks around wondering if it could happen are you know suddenly a thing of the past so the, the cars it. the car the, the cars at uh, at the uh the practice facilities and d1 college football programs across the country have <laughs> always been good the tier the level of them is going to go up a little bit so when you drive by wherever you might be the cars are going to be worth looking for they we're always looking, have been but it's going to be especially true now we're looking at you jack sawyer <laughs> big tires big rig baby <laughs> Uh, yeah. If you didn't see that on social media, Jack Sawyer is, uh, apparently now repped by uh Wahlberg Chevy, which by the way, for those who don't know, Mark Wahlberg is now in the, uh, car dealership game. Um, interesting flex, but I guess it's working. Um, I know he's got one on the West side of Cleveland. I know he's got at least one in, in Columbus, um, and jumping on right down the road for me in Cleveland. Yeah. And, and, and jumping on with, uh, with a recruit as as popular as Jack Sawyer is uh, a great place for uh, for Mark Wahlberg Chevy to start. So good for him and, and great for Jack for sure. All right, why don't we put a bow on it for uh, for today? From there, um, we talked a lot about the offense, and I'm certain that we will talk more defense as the week goes along. Uh, if memory serves me correct, I believe on Thursday we're going to hear from Al Washington and the linebackers. That is a huge point of emphasis for the Buckeyes this year. Um, in camp because it's fresh group. You know, Pete Warner's gone, Tuff Borland's gone, Justin Hilliard, Baron Browning, they're all gone. And so guys that have not gotten a ton of playing time um, are going to suddenly find themselves in some pretty meaningful spots. Taraja Mitchell, Cody Simon, Dallas Gant, maybe Tommy Eichenberg. There's there's lots of different areas we can explore here. Um, but I, I think the Buckeyes uh, like what they have. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what Coach Washington and some of those guys have to say on Thursday. And if you're playing Buckeyes now, bingo, you can go ahead and put your chip on the St. Ignatius reference for the, for the show. <laughs> We've done it, folks. Good there night. It there it is. You know, you, you got to drop those in there. <laughs> got to drop them in. So anyways, uh, we'll chat with you. B-I-N-G-O, baby. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We'll uh, – <laughs> We'll chat with you on Thursday uh, about the linebackers and touching some more on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, as always, BuckeyesNow.com is your place for all the latest news and info related to the Buckeyes. Check us out on social media. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We, we like to put a lot of this content out there and uh, would love to know that, uh, that you like it. Please leave some comments, and if you don't like it, tell us why and what you'd do differently, and uh, hopefully we can make this a, a place that you want to spend some time as you – uh, follow all your favorite Ohio State coverage. We're also uh, on any of your favorite podcast outlets. You can find Buckeye Breakdown there as well. For Brett Hiltbrand, I'm Brendan Gulick. We'll see you real soon as the Buckeyes continue their 2021 training camp and they get ready for Minnesota here in a couple of weeks. See you soon.